a new phone, a puppy, 3D tokens, increased credit limits. What do these have in common? You're about to find out. Welcome to Tabletop Shop. Welcome back to Tabletop Shop. I am one of your hosts, Nate Clark, and seated across the city from me is the room. your other. It's the room. Yes. For okay. the foreseeable future. <sighs> okay, fine. The <laughs> room. No. All right. Everybody knows. That's fine. Hi, I'm Cody. And he's seated across the room from me. Nice and to see you guys. We are uh, talking about board games today. This is the Tabletop Shop podcast that you are listening to, where Cody and Nate sit down and we discuss all things board games well not all things but mi- very many things most board things games. board games yes at least seven things board game related and today we will be going over our games of the week as always and then we will be talking about one game in particular in depth and then we will move into our board banter section of the podcast which is kind of just could be any topic you don't know what it's going to be if you listen to the intro you might have a pretty good <laughs> guess at what it is but yeah so we are glad you guys are listening. We uh, are uh, hope you enjoy the episode. So, Cody. Yeah, man. Let's talk about the games we played this week. Sounds good. You want to go first? Sure. You want me to go first? Well, or I, you want to go first? Uh, you know, I feel like last week our performance was pretty poor as far as the amount of games we played. And uh, I, I'm was. kind of par for the course again here. So <laughs> come on, I'll, man. I'll go ahead and go first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then uh, hopefully it. you can finish better than I start. Uh so, Wait, are you saying that you only played two games again, or I, less than that? I only played two. Ah, yeah. So pathetic. I, one of the games I played this week was Kemet, which is kind of an old game at this point, relatively. Uh, actually, I don't know. It's not that old. I believe. I want to say 2013. Uh, could be correct. Um, but I feel like when a second edition of a game comes out, it automatically just makes the first edition old. Oh, I didn't you know realize I mean? it was a second edition. Yeah, so Kemet Blood and Sand came out maybe two years ago, tops. Uh, maybe uh, it might have been, a, yeah, a, a probably oh. at least two years ago. I, I thought that was an expansion. No, 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 no. It's a, ah, it's I'm a, a silly boy. It's a total second edition. So I feel like once the second edition comes out, it makes the first one just old by definition. Mm. So I have the old version of Kemet. Uh, still a good game, though. Still a very good game. Uh, Egyptian themed war game that is. Well, okay, war. It's not like one of those math crunchy numbers war games, but it's a dudes on a map, I guess you would say, kind of war game that is deterministic combat, which is awesome, and it has all these different upgrades you can buy for your uh, your troops and all these different special abilities you can get, and you can get all these monsters and stuff, and then you are basically you're trying to get points actually, which is a pretty uncommon thing for kind of fighting type games. Mm. But you're trying to kind of control areas and defeat other armies and get enough points to win the game. You know I like point-based games. Yeah. Well, you've played Kemet, right? Didn't we play a two-player yeah. game? Yeah, just once. Yeah, what'd you think of it? I won, so it was pretty fun. <laughs> Actually, was that huh? Was that my very first time? No, I think I played it once before I taught it to you. I think so. That's why it was yeah. even more humiliating for you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember the scores, but... Yeah, I don't yeah. know. It, it was pretty fun. I, I enjoyed that... Uh, a lot more than 
battle lore. What a garbage oh, game. Well, well, that's a bold statement. Let's but see I how much agree. damage I can do. Oh, I rolled a one. Oops. <laughs> They're definitely different games. <laughs> They're definitely different games. I, yeah, actually, I played Memoir 44. Uh, I, I feel like I forgot to mention it. I played it a few weeks oh. ago, actually. Definitely after we started doing the podcast, um, which is what battle lore is based on. Uh, but Memoir 44 is like a World War II themed version of mm. it. And also, it's very... It's very annoying. It's like it's it has the same dice based combat system where it's like I'm attacking you with this and I rolled nothing that helps me. So I miss, <laughs> you know, and sometimes it's like, OK, well, it's war. And, you know, like, yeah, you're firing a gun at someone. You, there's a good chance that you could just completely miss. Well, even whoa, if you're really close. but that would be your fault. Not like the gun decided to on a 16 percent chance, see if it's going to hit or not. True. I mean, yes, that's true. This isn't like Marwin combat, but <laughs> You like, failed casting the spell. You failed casting the sometimes spell. Sometimes you're like point blank range with a tank and you miss and it's like, all right, listen. Come here. Come here. Listen, dice. Come on. This is stupid. But there are no dice in Kemet and actually the combat system in Scythe is based on the combat system in Kemet loosely. So, oh, that's right. Yeah, pretty cool. And it's a cool, it's a unique combat system. So great game. The other game I played is Dune Imperium, including the Rise of Ix expansion. Yes. Phenomenal game. Absolutely love that game. Did you pull out those dreadnoughts? Uh, actually, I did not get a dreadnought, but my dad got two dreadnoughts in Ooh. that game, and he lost. So, well, actually, okay, what, that's what a funny lot for the dreadnoughts, it, I guess. What was funny about it was that Reagan, who was my little brother, he was he had one point while everybody else had like four and five, and he actually ended up winning the game, which was pretty crazy. He mm. got a lot of points over the span of like two, Dang. maybe three rounds. So, yeah, it was fun. I, so he, I think he won with twelve, and I had eleven. Yeah, it was a good oh, game. Oh, that's close. Dune Imperium is a fun game, obviously based on the Dune IP. It's a worker placement game and a deck builder at the same time. And they are integrated very, very well, in my opinion. Uh, they The cards kind of have double use. So if you use them in conjunction with a worker, they do something. If you save them for later, they do something else. Uh, and then there's kind of some, a kind of a combat phase later on where you kind of are sending troops into a battle. And then the Rise of X expansion just adds in like technologies and different stuff. Yeah, it's just phenomenal game, phenomenal expansion. And I'm excited for the expansion that should be apparently available before <laughs> Christmas this year, which I believe Ooh, it was last year. Also. That early? Yeah, that's what they said. So, so just don't order it through like a third party no. board game shop and then get it a Listen, year later. Here's, here's the thing. I, so last time I ordered the Rise of X expansion through a local board game store, which I was like, hey, I want to support the local guy, right? So... I pre-ordered it through them. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but basically I didn't get the game till way later and it turned out that they had it and they said they didn't or they thought they didn't and all this stuff. And I was just like, man, this is just like, I want to support the brick and mortar guys, but it's like, you guys just, they, they just, I don't know. I had a bad experience. So you're so, saying they're not getting a shout out from us. Certainly not, podcast. but I won't, I won't publicly embarrass them either. Uh, I won't point them out, okay, but good let's just program. say that I pre-ordered it online this time. So. <laughs> well played. I guess that makes two, isn't it? I can count one, two. So that that's all. You, that's all you played this week, Nate. Yes, it's just yes, embarrassing. Don't um, remind me of this someday when I've only played two games. I was just going to guess that maybe that was now, but yeah. apparently not. Actually, no. You want to hear what's really sad? So I keep track of how many games I play each month, as inspired by you. I don't know if you still do that. Nope. Nope. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm still doing it. Um, I think my biggest month has been like 61 games. I'm going to say month. you're below 25 this month. Well, last month, uh, so this is October, but in September, the total was like nine. It was like the wow. worst 
month I've ever plays had. Plays or game. games? Plays. Oh, wow. But yeah. Yeah. It was sad. Uh, yeah. I think I'm at like, I mean, October just started. I'm at like five, True. five plays at this point. Oh, okay. Well, so yeah, I'm, I'm doing You play better. digital too, though. So you have a, you kind of. I do. Yeah. If you're yeah, counting digital, then there's going to be some more. Which I want to explore Tabletopia more. It sounds like they have paid options, but there are some games they offer that you can just play for free, like Architects yeah. of the West Kingdom. That's free to play on there. Huh. Um, so yeah, anyway, I, I played, let's see, first thing I played was Wingspan, two games of that digitally, of course, um, that turned out pretty well. Wingspan is a, is a dank game, folks. One of my favorite games. I'm not actually, let's see if it's in my, is it my top 10? I would assume so. Yeah, it's, it's number four. It didn't used to be, but maybe it did. Anyway, it's a good game, guys. If you like birds, birds are fun. Well, in this game... <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> uh some people will say that this is a tableau builder uh, and, and it's not really that i've heard it described more as an action efficiency game or action selection i think that is closer to it because every turn you just have four different actions you're working on and the tableau building aspect does come from where you can slowly play bird cards down next to those different actions or at least three of those four actions and potentially those will make your actions more powerful both by making the action itself more powerful but then sometimes you can activate those new birds that you put down and they do do cool things so yeah as we talked about last episode would not make for a great movie adaptation because it's just birds absolutely uh, but it plays super super well yeah i i have i think i have over 100 plays of that game that's crazy so far mostly from digital edition <sighs> it's such a good game the asia expansion has been recently announced we got more cards we got a we got a like a has, cooperative mode or something has there ever out? been a new mechanism introduced into that game it has like three expansions now right uh, no just just two expansions over so asia oh, okay. is gonna be the third one yeah um the i guess they're introducing the... cooperative so that's not really a new mechanism but it is kind of a yeah, not I, just not just cards, right? I saw some like screenshots from it. it looks like they add a, quite a few components. I don't really yeah. know what's going on, but the the Oceania expansion does add some mechanisms because it adds the the nectar. Have, have we played? No. With no, oh, we, we haven't, haven't played that nope. yet. Dang. Okay, so it introduces nectar as a new resource. There's five other um, food items. Um, nectar is the sixth one. It basically functions as a wild, so you can use it to fill any single cost of of a card that you need. Um, and then some of the cards that the game introduces, um, or Oceana introduces, specifically need nectar as a specific requirement for food. But then it has this other parallel thing where depending on where you use the nectar, so if you use nectar to play a bird into your middle region, you place that nectar token to the left of your board on a little new little slot. And there's three of those for each of those, the three slots that you can work on. And whoever has played the most nectar into a given slot at the end of the game gets, I think it's five points, and then the runner-up gets two points. So it's kind of a new basic objective system that's introduced. So yeah, it's different for sure. I will say though, I don't I don't really like playing with the nectar. It kind of breaks the game a little bit for me huh. because then it shifts your focus and every time nectar gets rolled in the bird feeder, it's like you just have to take it. Even if you don't want it or yeah, you don't really annoying. use it, you just have to take it to take it from someone else. And, and so resources that, are scarce. Uh, they are, yes. And since nectar is a wild, that can help, but it, it was just kind of too powerful and it, it made the game actually less interesting for me, even though I think you could probably get a higher scoring game out of it. Right, but it's not as tight and so it doesn't feel strategic, I guess. Yeah. 
it's it's almost like Viscounts of the West Kingdom, where it just gives you one strategy to do, and you just have to do it huh. to win. Just fill the castle. Well, but it's not really a strategy. It's just like, hey, here's a little bonus thing that makes the game easier, right? Sure. In yeah. Viscounts, it's like, if you focus on this, you will probably do very well. Whereas mm-hmm. this Nectar thing, it's like, hey, here's something that's kind of available to everyone, and you don't have to. It's not a strategy. Well, it's it, just something that makes the game easier, kind of. Not not just easier, but again, there, there's competition for whoever has played the most nectar at the end of the game is going to get more points. Well, but that's just points, right? Because really, it seems like the what it is really adding is kind of this wild resource that makes helps you to be a little more flexible. Sure. But I don't know because I haven't played. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a wild resource that definitely helps you but it then demands all the attention of every time there's any food or any yeah. nectar in the bird feeder it's like yeah. you you have to take it nothing else but well this is not the enough, wingspan enough podcast, about that. hey you spent a bunch of time talking about kemet you punk <laughs> <laughs> i can talk about wingspan if i want <laughs> but good point let's move on to mysterium i played that mm. you played that for the first time yeah recently just three with three people me, right? though yeah which apparently we found out we played wrong because if you play with <laughs> three people two of those people are supposed to play as two players and then the fifth person is the ghost is normal but yeah mysterium is fun a lot of um abstract art in that game um sort of a silent communication game where one person plays as the ghost and it's a cooperative game and you're trying to get all the other players to figure out who killed you as the ghost and you're trying to point them to persons locations and murder weapons but the only way you can point your players towards those items is with these abstract vision cards that you just have a random hand of that you're you you can give a certain amount i think one to seven on your turn to each player to give people a point of reference i believe it's made by the same company that made dixit yeah and so it's that kind of art basically just weird art yeah and the cards are interchangeable right like you can use dixit cards yeah i mean because it's just art right so weird art yeah (laughs) weird abstract art so yeah that was mysterium i played that uh, pulled out a game of King Domino with my wife oh, okay. two nights ago. I have not played that in a long time. It's a solid little game. I it like it. A solid I like it a lot. Especially with two-player games because then you can build the 7x7 seven seven grid instead mm-hmm. of the 5x5. Five five. Mm-hmm. That's just that's fun to go through the whole thing. It was a tight game. It was The winning score was 130 and then the runner-up was 122, Yeah, I think. So, yeah, good stuff. And finally, I managed to, in about 15 minutes, play a, a <laughs> digital game of Scythe, two-player, just with the computer uh you know i won i did yeah i did fine that's my story (laughs) actually i clobbered him he got 21 i got 63 i I like that you made it sound like it was a chore almost or like a menial task well i wanted another game to be able to talk about it's like well i got 15 minutes scythe can be fast let's just do it i feel like that degrades or kind of devalues what it means when you say you've played games then you're like "Uh, i have to have more i have to have more so i'll just 15 minute game of scythe yeah but good yeah. for you. I'm glad you won, Cody. I'll, I'll stop doing that. I'll just play games to play games. Well, I mean, you, did you have fun? I did have well, fun. Then actually. It, it it's been a while since I played Digital Scythe. Then what does it matter if you had fun? Yeah, exactly. Stop mocking me. <laughs> <laughs> Whose side are you on? Anyways? I don't know, man. I don't know anymore. Roll a d20. You failed. The orc pushes you off the cliff because you're a klutz. Aragorn was not a klutz. Well, this, this is a D&D reference, man. I'm talking about Lord of the Rings, yeah, huh? even though it is cool. Very. All Enough right. about this. What we yes. got next, man? We need to talk about a game, Cody. A 
game by Martin Wallace. Yes. The only game that either of us has ever played? No, Anno 1800 is also by Martin Wallace. The only game that either of us has ever played by Martin Wallace, Brass Birmingham. Hey, come on, man. <laughs> it's not like I'm selling Anno 1800 right now. <laughs> I, just, I feel like game might be a generous term for Anno 1800. Uh, the art in that game is just sad. But, nah. It's just a rough game in general. Like... Uh, the concept is there, and like when you described the game to me, I could tell you were excited about it, and I was interested by it. Mm-hmm. And then we played it, and it was just like it was not, man. It's just there's not a lot of fun in the box. Good you know? concept, bad execution. I f- I would agree. Yeah, brass is nothing like that. Good concept, good execution. <laughs> Very good execution, and and pretty much every area other than could there have been some way to streamline the setup. Like, just some way, you know? Maybe. But when you play Anno 1800, it's not so right. bad. Yeah, okay, well, I guess <laughs> you're like, put okay, it into perspective. Yeah, it's like... Yeah. I guess for probably for people that play Martin Wallace's games, it's not that bad. Because I know he makes... He's done a couple train games that I feel like are probably just a big headache to set up. So... Did he do Russian Railroads? I don't know. He he did some train games. What's the train I don't, game? I don't know too much. I'm going to pull up his BGG right now. I feel like he does kind of the drier, crunchier games... Uh, like not like all of his games are like that but in my mind that's kind of what i associate Mm. with him yeah all right yeah i'm looking through martin wallace's live he got railways of nippon which i believe is what the japanese call their own country so it's right lincoln yeah i really don't recognize any of these man huh i mean there's a lot of them yeah, he, I know he's an avid designer, for sure. Wow, six games in 2018. Huh. But only one in 2020. Was what that 1800? Oh, uh, actually, yeah, it was. <laughs> How about that? Uh, but anyway, Brass Birmingham. Um, that, that being said, I guess Martin Wallace did make a kind of a second chance because he made Brass Lancashire, which is also rated really high in board game. It Geek, is. But then yeah. he remastered it with Brass Birmingham. Do you know how similar they are? Obviously, neither of us has played Lancashire, mm. but... I'm not really sure. I, I think they are significantly similar, is my understanding, but there's certain things that have been tweaked. Like, um, I think the double build action for building rails in the rail era... Like didn't used to cost um, beer, so so it's, like it's, really minor things. Well, from my understanding, reading about that part specifically, that was kind of a broken action in Lancashire because it was just really really powerful, and so they tried to dim it down a little bit in brass. So probably things like that, yeah. Okay, balancing issues perhaps. But it's interesting because Lancashire is still so highly rated. Yeah. It's not like it was a broken game necessarily. I want to know why it's still so highly rated, especially because Brass exists. Well, why would it drop? Like, it's not going to drop because people are rating it lower, right? It will only drop is if other people are rating other games higher. Yeah, that's true. Right? So I think it kind of makes sense that it is where it is. And... Yeah, I don't know. I feel like the only reason it would get bad ratings is if people played Birmingham first and then played Lancashire. They were like, well, this isn't as like, good as Birmingham. So sucks. They, yeah. But yeah, I, I don't see any other reason why it would get downvoted, so I, to speak. Well, yeah, I guess I would just think that, I mean, how long has it been out, Lancashire now? I feel like, a, oh, 2007, and it's still ranked 20. Like, if it's been out that long, I would think that a lot of other games would have been pushed up 
over See, it. that must mean that it has a really high, um, like like cult following. Well, I was gonna say like it must have a really high high review to view count ratio because from what i know that's kind of probably how bgg does their rankings is you have to have high reviews like high ratings obviously but also Hmm. the number of ratings is also factored in sure so i'm assuming it has a very good ratio of that like i said like i don't think people are playing lancashire anymore that haven't played it before you know like how many people are busting out lancashire Hmm. for the first time or teaching it to people for the first time if brass birmingham really replaced it it's like, yeah, it's kind of got its fixed position until other games are just rated higher than it, right? Yeah. So. I wonder if you can even still buy it now. I mean, is it even in production? Uh, I, or print? I would guess used copies only. Secondhand, I guess I should say. Yeah, BGG has like. So no, why don't you no why don't you go through why don't you go through Birmingham a little bit? Just sure. kind of the what it's like. Yeah, Brass Birmingham, you're you've got a map set up of a given region I don't know anything about in England. And there's a city called Birmingham and a bunch of other cities. Not Lancashire, though. I'm not sure where that relates on the map. <laughs> um, and th- this is a networking game. I guess I haven't really played any other networking games well, that I can think of. Oh, I played Concordia, and that that's a networking game. Do, I you, play that do you include Underwater Cities? I feel like a fool for saying it, but um, not really, because that's not the core of the game. Nah. So it's not a networking game. It just has a networking or aspect. Or of an expansionism game, but... Brass, it's all about where can you get to. Underwater cities, you just have a bunch of blank spots yeah, you true. can build on. I mean, there's there's a couple things you network to, but that's not really important. Yeah, it's not, not really the core or even the simple, smaller core. <laughs> the inner core, like the Earth. The nucleus? Anyway, yeah, that's what Brass is. Um, you're You play through two different eras because um, you're playing over the course of about 100 years. It's your starting, uh, like, Late 1700s, going into the mid to late 1800s, I believe. And the first era, you can only lay down um, canal tokens to connect your different cities. In each city, there's different industry boxes that allow you to place specific industry tiles according to what are on those cities. I think the biggest city is like Brass, or sorry, Birmingham, literally, and it has, I think, just four slots. Um, And then, depending on where you built, you can expand to other places through the canal. And then at the end of the canal era, all your canals get taken off the board, and those are your connections between the cities. So now you have to start again from wherever you already have certain tiles already placed, and then you can start building rails in the rail era. So it's almost a sort of a double networking system where you do it, and then you erase everything that is unworthy. Yeah, there's and then like you start a hard again. there's a hard reset in halfway through the game yeah. where all of your level one structures and all of your canals just get wiped off the board. You get you mm-hmm. score them, and then they're off the board. Yes. So and they then still you, count for something. Yeah, you start over in kind of a more advanced era, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the other thing in the game is you have all these tokens on your board that you, like, there's like, I don't know, maybe five or six different types. And there's they, they go from like very basic versions up to very good versions of them that give you more points and stuff. Mm-hmm. But you have to obviously start with the basic ones. And so you're kind of trying to burn through those and build them and use them as quickly as possible to get to the, I mean, the further down you get, the better because you're you're producing things that, produce more resources and give you more points so Mm -hmm. which is weird because it's definitely a resource driven game but there's only basically three resources you've got coal iron and beer i guess coin but you don't you don't personally really keep those resources at least off the board Um, again it's all about networking so you place tiles that will 
do a one-time production of a given number of resources. So you put down a coal mine and you'll get two, three, four, maybe up to five coal stacked on it. But as soon as you use up that coal, which you have to be connected to to whatever location you want to use the coal to build something else, um, that, that that's that's all the coal you got from that spot. Then it flips over and it will score points, which is good at the end of the game. Uh, but then if you want more coal, you have to build more facilities, which is or, interesting. Or steal other people's coal. Not really steal, steal others. but just use other people's coal. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it feels like stealing because sometimes you're really trying to plan on using your own uh, like your own coal or your own beer and someone else uses it. Uh-huh. But Which a lot of times hurt. it's like, hey, you used it. That's fine. I get to flip this over and I'll score points and whatever, you know. Well, coal, so. coal and iron's not so bad because you want to get those tiles flipped over anyway because sure. they, they'll boost your income especially and then you get more money to do things later in the game. It's really in the second half of the game, the rail era, when beer is a really rare commodity, rare resource, and you do not want other people to use your beer. Yeah. So you're like specifically building in ways to where other people can't connect to your network and you can use your own beer. Uh, I remember like last game I played with Kirsten, I think I had this big fancy plan to use like three beers and then she was able on her turn because each turn you take, you take two actions. So if you literally play your cards right, you can try to time something where you take an action that sets you up to use all the stuff that you have. Um, and she she like built a rail and s- stole my stuff and was really mean. <laughs> <laughs> so that there is also a card aspect to the game, which has a bunch of the a bunch of cards that have the different resources resource tiles you can build and a bunch of cards that have a bunch of different locations mm-hmm. and you can only use those cards to do what you want to do that can occasionally be frustrating but i feel like it's never i feel like you never walk away from a game of brass saying the cards are the reason i lost oh there are some games not. there are some games where you can say man that person really just got more fortuitous cards card draws than i did this game and that was a kind of major factor in why they won mm-hmm. and you can honestly say that sometimes brass i feel like sometimes it feels like in the game you're like wait no why why am i not getting a card i need but well okay no but i take it back actually <laughs> because you're dealt the cards you have all the cards from the beginning don't yeah you? so even then it's like okay you know what you have to work with from the beginning well so. you i mean you have a hand of eight cards we don't know the yeah but it, uh, it's well, a then, lot. then there's a central deck that you're drawing from so that is still neutral it is yeah but it's a lot it's not like you have two cards and you're just drawing you know one and using one or yeah. something so but the but, thing is there, there's like four or five different main actions that you take and only one of those actually requires a specific card to play whether it's a location or or a given industry type and that's just to put a tile on the board yeah otherwise you're just throwing away a card to yes. build stuff but that's a big part of the game like that's the biggest part of the game oh sure I, i'm, I'm just saying though that you're you're not necessarily hurt if you don't have the greatest cards because you're going to be basically just throwing away probably two-thirds of them over the course of the game maybe more yeah, not true. really sure and then there's an action of the game where you can discard a couple of cards and then draw some wild cards that you place yep. anywhere. So if you really get cornered, you can at least get those. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point that you will end up discarding a lot of cards. That's a good way to mitigate luck of uh, luck of the draw, mm-hmm. right? You can't control what you get, but you won't need a lot of what you get anyways. And so there's a good chance that you will still draw what you need. That I, Your silence... Yeah, I don't know if that made sense. <laughs> like, you're not responding, and I, I feel like I didn't quite know where that sentence ended. I know where it started, but I don't really know. Do you know what where the sentence was. do? <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, well, I'm sure the listener understands. Yeah, well, basically your point is invalid. Well, okay. But nah, nah, you're right. <laughs> but you're not. So, that uh, do you have anything with this game that you feel like needs to be better or could be better? And neither of us has played mm. Lancashire, so it's hard to speak on what has already been improved. Sure. And that's already kind of a telling sign that probably there isn't a lot if it's already kind of a second edition, right? Mm-hmm. Hopefully, you would hope there wouldn't be a lot. Man, I... There's really not much, or if anything, that comes to mind. Almost what I think of for brass. I don't know if you've heard the concept with with firearms. People might complain like, oh, I need to get a longer barrel so I have better accuracy and stuff at distance. But the concept is that it's really hard to outshoot your weapon. Usually, if if you're missing, the problem is the shooter and not the gun. (laughs) Uh, I think Brass Birmingham is kind of the same way. The game is so tight mechanically. There's so many things that can happen it's it's magnificently intricate to where if you're not playing well it's entirely the player's fault and not the game pretty much yeah and that's that's the beautiful thing about it it, it is hard it is pretty stressful um but it it is a a very rewarding challenge to play that's what i have to say how about you do you have any complaints well i would say actually very similar to that which is that because it is such a kind of a brain burning difficult endeavor to undertake i am i don't know i i've only played it i guess i've only played it twice actually hmm. but it, it feels like a game that it is a lot of fun and i have a ton of respect for the design and how everything works together and just how solid and airtight it really is and so like functionally and even aesthetically it's it's really top notch uh it's it's top shelf for sure i feel like it's just it's not as fun as i want it to be hmm. you know and it is it's a, it's a, it's a very good game and I, it is i do get a lot of enjoyment out of it i i and i'm almost it's almost just like it's almost hard to articulate because it's just kind of like a personal like it's just it's just not as much fun as I want it to be. Hmm. And it's still really good. And I would still rank it very highly. And like I said, I mean, mechanically and aesthetically, uh, it just is, is really kind of airtight. It really is such a flawless game almost. It's just, I feel like I, I almost wouldn't even want to own it because I feel like I would just come back to it so, so rarely. Hmm. Yeah. I think, Nate, you just need to play it more. Because <laughs> l- let me describe to you my Brass Birmingham journey, all right? P- picture this. A young boy of 22 or something. I don't know when I first got it. Um, I saw that it was number four at the time on Board Game Geek. I'm like, that's really high. And then I got the game and I played it. I'm like, okay, this is a good game and it's cool. But I'm really confused why it's so high. On Board Game Geek, next to something like Terraforming Mars or Gloomhaven. What else we got here? I mean, Scythe is way up there. Castles of Burgundy. It, it's like it seems like a a niche game, like a very niche game, to where the people that like it probably like it a lot. But I wouldn't think that it would have a lot of popularity necessarily, uh, j- just because the game is is yeah, so intense without necessarily much fluff to it. 
Um, and now I'm looking at it, it's Board Game Geek number two. Uh, it, it's, it rose huh. a couple of steps. It's second only to Gloomhaven. Um, but I think my conclusion is, um, as I've played time playing this game, and granted, I probably only have like 10 plays of it at this point. That's a, that's a fair amount. That, that, that is, yeah, that is a lot more than, than one or Especially two. Especially for a game like Brass. Yes, definitely. And But I spent time uh, before the last couple of games I played um, watching some strategy videos, looking up in-depth strategy for it. Um, and it was actually by doing that, I felt like I'd become educated to the deep beauty of brass, of how intricate it is, um, how once you start discovering some of these strategies that you can employ, um, ways to work the game, suddenly your scores, I, I think my high score literally like doubled from what my previous high score was in the game. Uh, maybe it was like 80 points, sorry, I forget. Um, but it, it's just crazy what you can do with the game and my respect for it grew like the same amount. Hmm. And I think maybe what's going on here is the... The people that have played the game at least a couple of times probably really get into it, um, and then it's almost this cult following that perhaps just perpetuates and spreads to the geek game board community. Yes, I did say that backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I feel like I can't see myself falling into that. It's the kind of game that I would want to come back and play every once in a while, and I'll need a little refresher on, you know, how the networking works and whatever, and then mm. I will thoroughly enjoy the the process but i well after i finish the game of it i'll be like yeah that was that was a lot of fun and this is such a good game but like let's okay now let's leave that on the shelf for a while and maybe we'll come <laughs> maybe i'll come back to it in a few months and hey then, then it'd be fun to play again you know i feel like for me it's not the game that i would want to keep coming back to again and again uh like i do respect the design and i and i see what's there and i i know we kind of Last time we talked about, last time we played, which was pretty recently, we kind of talked about some of the, I don't know, revelations is not really the right word, but some of the discoveries you made strategically, you know, about how to work the game a little bit better. And it is, it's such a good design. And I feel like a broken record here, kind of, but it just, it just, it just doesn't quite, I don't know, what what is the, the something my fancy, what, what is that, what is that saying? Trick my fancy? No. Uh, tickles tickle yeah it doesn't quite tickle my fancy i guess is all it is so well you what's weird about this um my wife kirsten this is her favorite game like like this is her number one game and she stands by that yeah and it's it's heavy is is weird it is a very heavy game i mean the she she kind of likes terraforming mars um but it it is fairly intense i think for for her liking especially if you have like a four-player game going and there's a lot like a lot going on you have to but in comparison to brass well yeah that's what's weird to me i'm I'm (laughs) not really sure why um but again i feel like that just helps paint the picture of for some reason people can just love this game unless you're nate oh wow okay (laughs) just no shortage of personal (laughs) body shots here um i feel like there's there's actually a very interesting almost phenomenon which is it almost unable to be really comprehended which is that there are just some games that click with certain personalities mm-hmm. and maybe not even personalities, but certain, incl- I don't know, mental nationalities, no oh. mental inclinations, just the way that somebody's brain works and the things that they like and the things mm. that they get enjoyment from games are such an interesting thing because mm. they engage your mind so much on such a deep level. If it's a good game that 
sometimes, almost inexplicably, there are games for certain people that they just fall in love with, almost like an addiction in a way. Uh, and sometimes it, it works that somebody's just automatically super good at a game for no reason. I run into this a lot playing with my dad and with my brother a lot, which is that there are just a couple of games that I always win pretty much. Not always, but, you know, very. I win the majority of be when honest, I play with Nate, them. Be honest, Be honest. <laughs> and then there are other ones that my brother, it's like, yeah, Reagan just, Reagan just wins that game more often than we do. And we don't really know why, you know, and we've played it a lot of times that it's an established statistic that there's a very <laughs> good chance that Reagan's going to win this. Yeah. It just, I don't know. Certain games are just that way for certain people. And I think it works the same way with liking. I think it trips something in certain games the way that they engage a person's mind, there are some people's minds that are just really drawn to certain games for that reason. Hmm. Not to get not not to get all psychological on, but you know that's just kind of the the way I see it. So you're saying some people are just like, yeah, like coal, like iron. <laughs> <laughs> Give me yes, this that's game. A, that's an actual audio <laughs> clip from Kirsten last week. <laughs> Although I just had this revelation, epiphany, confusion moment, if you will. Revelatory, revelatory, Nicole. Yeah, confusing moment. Eureka-ish. Except that's not that. It's more just confusion. Why is it called brass, Birmingham? The commodities are coal, iron, and beer. Brass is none of those things. Brass, Birmingham. I, I don't and the other one was called brass, Lancashire. Yeah. So what? So what, what's with the brass? brass? Are we stupid? Probably. There's gotta be something we're missing. Brass. I'm gonna click on the game. I don't know, is like that era of kind of industrialism, I I don't know, symbolized somehow through brass? Was brass a very popular material that was being used for things back then? Here's what I got. Maybe Martin Wallace didn't actually want to make this game, but Roxley Games was like, no, you have to make it. And so to mock them, since it came from the top brass, he was like, I'll call it Brass Birmingham and no one will like it. I didn't. I didn't quite follow you on that whole journey there, Cody. Well, that's that's how that's how we're here. <laughs> okay. That's why it's Brass Birmingham. BGG number two. Not a sponsor. <laughs> well, if you'd like to be, you have our contact email. Definitely a phenomenal game, Brass is. If you know somebody who owns Brass, I would highly recommend. The thing is, if somebody owns Brass, they probably like it, right? It's almost certainly a game that if somebody still owns, they probably like a lot and they probably want to teach you. So if you know somebody who owns Brass, hunt them down and they would probably love to teach you the game. So would highly recommend, yeah, learning how to play this game because it, it really is very, very, a very good experience and a very unique experience. I second that. And so does BGG. All right. Well, let us move on then, Cody, to our board banter. Yes. So our board banter, as hinted earlier, is dealing with upgrades for games. And upgrades, I suppose, could potentially have different ways of of being defined. But I feel like mostly we are talking about non-utilitarian upgrades to games. So kind of the fluff or what might be called blinging out your game Mm. or the additional aesthetical parts to games. Or sometimes practical innovations practical innovations yeah, in man. what way like uh organizers oh yeah okay game, yes. game trays stuff yeah. like that basically things that you don't need for a game that aren't necessarily adding extra content but you can still get them so where are you going with this man 
<laughs> I just introduced this whole thing, and then I hit a, I hit like the I hit just a dead end. And I was like, well, here I am at the end of the street. Here we are. Yep, look at all these things I just said. <laughs> and this has been Tabletop Shop. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> it's all gone horribly wrong. Um, take it from here, Cody. <laughs> okay, game upgrades. We're just here to banter about it, man. Let, let's talk about some stuff. How, how um, about we talk about, I feel like the obvious question here is how how much do you value upgrade upgrades for games like that's this? that's actually a good way to phrase it. That, yeah that's kind of what i was going to approach like which which upgrades would you prioritize which would you get if any especially if you're on a budget like are you going to get upgrades for your favorite game or are you going to just buy a different new game instead yeah i feel like you and i probably have very maybe not very different but i feel like we have quite different approaches to this and i, I feel like you probably have seen that in us as well mm-hmm. which is that i Actually, off the top of my head, honestly, okay, so I do sleeves because to, to me, I do sleeve some games and not every game because not every game needs to be sleeved. And I, I don't want to lose the tactile uh, f- part of a game hmm. if I don't have to. So a game where the cards get shuffled a lot, I'm, I want to sleeve those cards to protect the game. If, it, if the cards aren't being shuffled a lot, then I don't want to sleeve them because I like being able to feel the cards. You know, mm-hmm. it's a little more natural. Uh, I like that a lot, but I do... I don't know. I have a few games in my collection like Dominion, uh, Dune. Uh, what else? Oh, Terraform. No, actually, I have not sleeved Terraform. Oh, really? Cards. There's way too many that cards. That would take in that a game, while, bro. man. <laughs> yeah, there's way too many cards. Uh, but it also, I don't know. Terraforming Mars, the quality's pretty crap anyway. So I just, <laughs> if, if the cards got so bad, I'd just buy another copy, honestly. It can't be fixed. Yeah. Uh, so I do sleeve some games. But other than that, I feel like I don't really do these kinds of upgrades to things. I don't really like I don't buy upgraded components for resources. Uh, I don't buy replacement other replacement pieces for things. Hmm. I don't buy organizers necessarily. Actually, I sometimes take the organizers out and throw them away if I have to. <laughs> so, I don't, yeah, I feel like I just I am very much of the mind that like, I, you know, if I'm going to spend X amount of money, why don't I just put it towards, a, you know, an expansion or you know just another game or or something like that mm-hmm. uh so i don't know i i don't know i guess i just find myself kind of valuing wanting the content more than the i don't know how would you say the content more than the enhancers yeah sure i i mostly agree i i am mostly similar because yeah if um if I'm on a budget, which I am, and really everyone's on a budget. Budget <laughs> yeah. is just how much money you're willing to everyone spend is. on something. Who are we kidding? Sure. Um, I'm going to usually just buy a new game. But sometimes, if maybe it's a special occasion, like birthday or Christmas, I might request an upgrade for a favorite game. Or I'll just go all in in a given month, uh, like I did for Underwater Cities one time. Like, this is my number one game. I want to make it excellent. So I got card sleeves for everything because I want to keep those cards nice. Got um oh the the upgraded uh, worker tile thingies replace those useless elevator door yeah, those mechanisms. Are, those are really tiles. dumb. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that last it week. Got the little three D printed submarines. Those are awesome. Um, I got the three D printed uh, like credit chips. Although here's oh, the yeah. here's yeah. the weird thing, I like the feel of them, but the the color of them is dimmer. It's like a very Bro, it's dull. Like, it's like stone ground mustard. Color. Yeah, and I actually miss kind of the brighter yellow color of the the chip tokens so i almost want to just go on etsy again and try to see if someone else has made something similar but 
superior. And we'll we'll talk about Etsy more later because that they're an excellent location for finding good game upgrades for almost any popular game that's out there. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's basically how I operate. Have you bought any organizers for games? And we're talking like box inserts that make storing your game yeah. easier. Um, I did for Viticulture actually. Oh, yeah. I got the oh, what is it called? Like e- EV foam or something. It it's nice. It definitely fits everything in the box better because the Viticulture original organizer is Stupid. garbage. It's got this weird circular indent that I cannot for the life of me figure out what it's supposed to be used for. Like nothing fits there usefully in any way. I mean, I guess you can throw some bags in there, but then you have these other slots that look like they're supposed to use the bags. And then you have the card sections and the card sections all screwed n- up in that. It box just too. makes no sense. Like nothing fits right. So I threw that away and I got the little one where you assemble all the little foam containers and they all fit together really nice. Um, I don't know if I'll do that again though. Um, I know there's, uh, what is it called? The, the, the broken token, I think yeah, is a that's company. A that very makes, popular one. Aren't they like sure. laser cut wood? Yeah, I think so. Pieces? Like almost like burnt wood mm-hmm. style. That looks a lot nicer. I'm not sure if they come pre-assembled or if you have to assemble them, but the, the foam one that I got, you had to glue it together. Basically with just Elmer's glue is what they recommended. Well, I think it's probably the same way for broken token. Um, yeah. Where like you kind of have the slits and everything that kind of slide into each other. Yeah. I'm sure it's the same way. But at that point you could probably use maybe a nice wood glue or something. For sure. Yeah. The, the foam one, like none of the, it was hard to assemble. Like you try to fit everything together and it all just kind of falls apart. There's no good way to clamp everything down. So you kind of just have to hold it for like five so, to 10 minutes and then let go and hope it continues gluing you said you wouldn't do it again probably would you say it was not worth the investment then for the viticulture one that you got uh i mean i'm i'm not gonna switch it out for for the old it, well right having the the room created for the box is nice and having everything really nice and beautiful and organized so i'd, I'd say it was basically worth it so i feel like if i had an insert like the viticulture insert that almost like perplexes you while you're trying to put the game away mm-hmm. and it just frustrates you I would probably just toss it and then just, and just put, put stuff everything. in the box. Just put stuff on the box, you know. So, sure. I, and I've had to do that with games. Uh, I can think of three off the top of my head: uh, Tapestry, Abyss, and Champions of Midgard. Where because I got expansions, the base game insert was no longer useful. Like it just didn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. Which is disappointing because all three of those games actually have very, very good inserts. But oh, it was they like. Do? Oh, that's well, right. Tapestry was was pretty nice. Tapestries is cool. Abyss has an amazing one. So Champions of Midgard also has a very good one. Well designed, fits everything nicely. But I had no problem either just tossing them out once I got the expansions because mm-hmm. I wanted to keep everything in the same box. Yeah. <sighs> well, here, here's the thing about card sleeves, man. Backtracking just a little bit, but it fits in with fitting stuff in the box. Um, sometimes it doesn't oh, work super dude, well. Dominion. Dominion. But the, okay, so. <laughs> Yeah. Dominion, it's like they didn't know. I don't know. I don't know when card sleeving became a big thing in board gaming. I feel like it was a, it's been a big thing in uh, card trading games for a while, like MTG and stuff. I mm-hmm. think they've been sleeving for a long time. I don't know when it became a big thing in board gaming, but it definitely yeah, was after Dominion came out. Or Dominion didn't think it was going to be popular, one be. of the two. Because the Dominion insert is actually pretty important. You have what, like 20, 25 plus different types of cards and then yeah. 10 of each of those cards. And those all need to go in their nice, pretty little slot. And it's alphabetically organized with these labels. It's really nice. And then you sleeve all your cards. And like, 
just doesn't fit they anymore. Just don't quite. They the all just kind of stick small. up a little awkwardly, and it's atrocious. So at that point, you're kind of just screwed because I guess you can throw away the insert and now just bag everything. But then you're going to have to. I mean, anytime we have, you want to use a card, you have to go find it. We had quite a few copies, not copies, but like Dominion and the expansions for Dominion growing up, and. We always sleeved them and we just jammed them back in there. Uh, it, it, you know? it worked? It worked. Like they fit. Yeah. It's just like they don't fit nicely. It's very, very tight and snug. And usually they don't go down all the way. Mm. You can still close the box. But honestly, the and the thing is, the thing about Dominion is that if you're getting lots of expansions for Dominion anyways, inevitably you're going to get rid of all those and buy a big box that they all fit in. Uh-huh. So like we got a big like wooden briefcase, basically. That's an organizer for Dominion. <laughs> It's, I'm serious, dude. It's a hefty, like, briefcase that's, like, it's probably, like, two feet by a foot and a half. Ding. Maybe that's a little big, but it's and it's basically like that and then, like, six inches fat, too. And it's just got, like, a, a, quite a few rows in it and a bunch of dividers, and you just put all your cards in there. Way easier than toting around, you know, four or five <laughs> full-size game boxes just for one game. There you go, man. Custom game upgrade right there. Yeah. Put that on Etsy. For sure. Well, I think we bought it off of like eBay or something. All Somebody right, else resell already done it, it on Etsy. <laughs> <laughs> sure. But okay, so that's that's actually, I guess I didn't buy that. But if I was in that position with those Dominion copies, that is definitely something I would do. That doesn't add anything to the game, mm-hmm. but it almost feels like a necessary, uh, you know, tertiary per, uh, purchase for the game. You get backed into a corner. Kind that, of. That's what Dominion does to you. Um, I want to talk about bags, man. Um. I think you do the same. I'm not sure how many of you listeners do the same, but what I will do, you'll, you'll notice whenever you get a new game, it's like they have twice as many bags as you need, and all the bags are eight times as big as you need them to be for the things they hold. <laughs> and they're usually pretty nice. So what I do is I just save those bags, and I have a box just full of box bags. Box of bags. Yeah. And I, I have them sorted, like, here's all the big bags, here's yep. the medium, small, and tiny. Um, and then when I get a new game, and... Fairly often, you'll you'll get games that have these now chintzy bags. Um, Dude, Underwater Cities talked about their quality Underwater last Cities time. bags are pretty bad. They're yeah. trash. But you get you some Stonemeyer bags. Those things are nice. They've got like a texture to them. They're solid. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you just, you move those over. If you saved them beforehand, saved your extras, you can re-implement those for other games that you get. Um, pro tip, start doing it. Do you How do about, that? Yeah, yeah. So I definitely do the same thing. I keep all the extra bags and... I like, and I also like the components to fit just perfectly in whatever bag they're yes. going in. You know, I don't want a bunch of extra space in a bag, and I don't want to be like barely jamming everything into a bag, right? Did, did I send you that picture of when I got Kingdom Builder? And it's, you got like, I don't know, 20, 25 little pieces. And then the bag they give you is literally, it's like eight to 10 inches tall. <laughs> and when you fill it with all the pieces, they're, it's just stupid is what it is, yeah. man. It's stupid. <laughs> Don't have, do have, that. Have you even played Kingdom Builder yet? Yeah. Well, I, I already sold it. That was a while ago, man. <laughs> I, I played it once and I was unimpressed. It was not I heard what that, I um, it was going to be. I heard that Kingdom Builder, like uh, whatever, Win- Winter Kingdom or something like that. It's Winter basically the Kingdom. second edition. I heard it's a lot better. Is it? Yeah. Same core, but much all, the wrinkles were ironed out. And I'm intrigued, it's a man, much, but I don't want to get hurt again. Yeah, well, I heard it's a much better experience than the original game. I'll so. let you buy it and then we'll try it out. <laughs> I, it's it's actually on my like it's something it's something oh, I've been it? looking at. Yeah. All right, I'll buy it for you for Christmas and then <laughs> I can try it out. Not before I move, please. No, you got it. Uh, I, I also wanted to ask about cards. How do you store cards? How do I store cards in the box? Do you uh, bag them or do you rubber band them? I I do not rubber band. Um, I feel like bags are safer. 
I know the cards can kind of slide around more that way, but I, I'm afraid of bending the cards with rubber bands. And, you know, when you like work with rubber bands for a while, your hands then just smell bad after. You ever notice that? Rubber bands have a weird, not very good smell. Yeah, yeah, they do have a bad I, smell. I don't want the cards to smell like that. Sure. Oh, okay. I never thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? you you're a rubber bander, aren't I you? I do rubber band a lot, of, a lot of cards. Yeah, I'll bag some. Uh, actually, I feel like the only ones I really have rubber banded are Terraforming Mars, because I don't really care about it, mm-hmm. um, which sounds bad. I, I've played that game to death, and I think it's a great <laughs> game. I just don't like it's it's such a low quality production that I'm really not like invested in trying to take care of it either. So I don't really care. Uh, and I also have Dune rubber banded, uh, but the the cards are also sleeved. So I have kind of loose rubber bands on them that are mm. tight enough that keep them from like not coming out of the rubber band, but not so tight that they're going to bend the cards or something. Okay. So you pick a good strength. Yeah. And I feel like most of my other most of my other games, uh, I have them bagged actually. So. Well, here's the thing. The, the rubber bands... It's not just the the tactile component and the smell, but it just doesn't look good to me. When I open up a, a box, if I have things rubber banded, which mm. I don't anymore because I just don't do that, it, it just looks like I got the game at a garage sale and it makes me sad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it, man. Dude, the experience I had with that was when I got Terraforming Mars. Dude, it's shrink-wrapped. I take the shrink-wrap off, like I unwrap it, open the box, and it literally looked like a secondhand copy. <laughs> like everything was it looked like everything had kind of just been tossed in there it was insane that's sad yeah no insert no nothing everything was just like rolling around in the box yeah so i i feel like i feel like i every episode i feel like i could find a way to make fun of terraforming mars i'm really not trying to do that jason isaac Frizelius, whatever your name is uh but fine game good game just Produce it better. Well, and then they did with uh, Ares Expedition. Oh, but here's the thing, man. Not in the second printing of it. Yeah, you it, told it, me. It's not like a second edition. The I guess I got whatever the first printing was, I assume. And you've got these... Um, I can't even remember now. It's like this nice insert. Um, the, the boards the are boards the nice... The boards are inlaid. They're the inlaid, like, scythe-style double boards. Um, I, I feel like there's something else I'm missing that they did. But then, then we played it at a friend's house that had got it after us. Um, and the, the boards they used were just little flimsy, like, like pieces the of paper. Like Mars ones. Basically. Yeah, it was a real set. There, uh, there was another component I can't remember that, that was inferior. Um, and I don't know why Stronghold Games did that. It's like the, you, you look it up and the game's still the same price. So it's like they just reproduced the same game. But I don't know, man. For, for much cheaper production value. I don't want to, you know, assume things, but like, maybe it's just like they wanted to save some money and they figured people wouldn't care enough. Maybe. But I feel like, man, I feel like Terraforming Mars was infamous for being such low production quality. Yeah, man. And it is it is weird that when they did Ares Expedition, it had a higher quality and then they reverted back to mm-hmm. making worse copies of it. Oh, well, I remember the other thing. The the first uh, copy of it, it had these included little game tray thingies that you can both store oh, yeah, and those the, are awesome. the pieces in. And the, the second production didn't have them. That is it's it, so weird. It was like it? they just took out I wonder, some of the best productions of the game. And- I wonder if whoever, I wonder if Stronghold Games, when they produced it, I wonder if after they, you know, whatever, after their quarterly whatever, if they looked at their profit from that game specifically <laughs> and they were like, yeah, we're not doing as well as we thought well, we would. Guys, Let's we cut, cut costs cost. on production. I, I wouldn't be surprised because why else would they do Let's it? Let's do the next one out of China. <laughs> but 
I mean, why else would they do it, right? If not to save money? Oh, I'm, of course. So, it's, it's just sad. It is, and it's it it's feels annoying. disloyal to the fan base. After producing a good version, yes, it's like, dude, come on, just if you're if you're gonna do it that way, then just don't even bother. Mm-hmm. Make them all make them all bad, well, like you did Mars. Maybe even market it too. It's like this is a different printing, slightly inferior version. Yeah, but then people are going to be like, well, I'm not going to pay the same price then that other people paid for theirs. Yeah. I'm only going to pay less. And then if they charge less, it's like, well, you didn't do it. You didn't solve your problem then, right? Because you cut production costs to, to make money. But if then you're selling it for less, you're, you're not making mm. any money anymore. I'd just be really disappointed, though, if, if I played the original copy at someone's house. I'm like, oh, this is a great game. And I went and buy it. I'm like, but where's my cool inserts? Yeah. Dude, I, I had that. This is a tangent. I had that problem buying shoes once. Like, I, <laughs> okay. bought, I bought these Puma shoes that had memory foam on the bottom as part of the shoe and i was like oh this is amazing they're so cool so i bought another pair online a similar one also pumas that said they had uh memory foam but it was just a memory foam insert that was not the same material and i emailed them i was like hey i just bought this other pair that had this really nice version of this why is this one just an insert and they're like yep some of them have the insert some of them don't what (laughs) and i was like what (laughs) that's not an answer (laughs) was the the second printing (laughs) wow that's sad. So, similar experience. Yeah. Uh, is there are there any other points you wanted to hit about uh, upgrades well, for games? I made a promise earlier in the podcast to talk about Etsy, and I should bring that back uh, okay. up again. Yeah, Etsy is a beautiful place where people make quality things. Generally. Um, generally. But here's the thing. It, it, it's capitalism at its finest. If people make a crappy thing, people will not review it well. Um, and then people learn that they need to make a good thing and sell it at a good price to people. Um, and Etsy is just a surprisingly good resource to get board game upgrades there. Practical upgrades. There's probably organizers and whatnot. I'm, I'm sure, sure there is. Yeah. There's a lot of 3D printed pieces. If uh, if you're tired of little cardboard tokens, 100%, eh, okay, 99% Etsy is going to have <laughs> a 3D printed version yeah. of those Don't tokens. go looking for your, uh, your Era of Kingdoms <laughs> upgrades. I want a Monopoly upgraded hotel. Actually, those I, probably exist. That's probably the first thing that's was on around Cody. a while. <laughs> Dang it. Ah. <laughs> I would like real money for Monopoly. They probably don't have that. Let me know in the comments if you find that. <laughs> <laughs> and let me know how much it was. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's just, it is a good resource for sure. Coming yeah. from the person who just said they never buy this stuff. Yeah. I Actually, I got some some brass upgrades. Yeah. Um, from there. Oh the, yeah, the brass upgrades are awesome too, man. I, gotta nice. say, they I are mean, good. the the makes the box a lot heavier. Yeah, sure. well, the iron that like, you pick those up, those I think are actual metal. They're heavy, man. It's like just cast iron pieces. Yeah, <laughs> and even the even the coal, the coal I think is just just a, a polymer or resin or whatever you call that plasticky substance, but it's still dense. It's like it's a good mm-hmm. quality and it's heavy. So if you really like a game, if you have a favorite game. And you're willing to invest some extra money into making it your collector's edition game. Etsy is the place to go. This is not a sponsored ad. But again, Etsy, if you want to, hit us up. <laughs> us. At tabletopshop23 at gmail.com. Hey, yeah. If you want to say anything to us about the podcast, we would love for you to reach out to us at tabletopshop23 at gmail.com. I said that, man. I said that. Hey, you got to say it twice. That's like an industry. Okay. Like you got to say it twice every time. I know I've only said it once the past few episodes. Now you definitely will not forget (laughs) tabletopshop23 at (laughs) gmail.com. That's kind of like the typical infomercial thing. It's like, oh yeah, that's the eighth time you said the phone number. 1-800-399-2424. And it's on the screen. Like we get it, you know. 
But yeah, if you want to email us at tabletop, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Shut up, man. <laughs> we're also on, on Instagram at tabletop shop 23. Yeah. You can also find us on Facebook, tabletop shop. Uh, yeah, like I said, I, we, we would love for you to reach out to us and just let us know how you feel about the podcast. If there's anything we should do differently. Uh, or if you just want to reach out and say, hey, you guys are doing a great job. We would, of course, appreciate that. Think about it. If you do something and somebody just notices that you did something and they liked it and they're just kind of pat you on the back, they're like, hey, dude, you did a good job there. That's pretty cool. That's the, that's a very dank thing. It feels Tell, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. Like, I'm ready to wake up the next morning. So, you know what? Gosh dang it, people, make us feel good. Please. <laughs> <laughs> But also, if you want, if you want to add, like, hey, it would be cool if you guys did this in the podcast. You know, we would, we would love to just kind of hear feedback and suggestions and whatnot. So, sure, board banter topics. Oh, yeah, uh, for we'll sure. need lots of those. Yeah. So send them our way. Yeah. If you're like, come on, guys, what are you doing talking about upgrades? There's way better things to talk about. Well, then you better get on that email right now. You better start typing away. All right. You better tell us. The burden is on you now, not on us. And remember, Birmingham is only connected to Redditch by rail. Thanks for listening, folks. This has been the Tabletop Shop Podcast. Our episodes come out every other Wednesday, which is 2.17 times a month for you nerds. We'll catch you guys on the next episode. In the meantime, keep on playing games.